A good cold beer is refreshing. And these new light beers with less calories, well, you could say I've discovered how good a light beer can taste. I really get a kick out of those light beer commercials with all those burly guys joshing around. But you know, you don't need to be macho to enjoy Rainier Light. Hey, Marlene, give me another beer. Get it yourself, Bob! Sometimes it does help, though. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cowan. Today, you're going to listen to something I think is amazing. I'm talking to three guys based in Tacoma who are doing Rainier Beer the movie. Uh, For those of you that have lived under a rock for the last 20 years, you probably never heard of Rainier Beer. You know, all those ads that came out in the 70s and 80s that were so iconic. In fact, they really changed advertising, not just in the beer industry, but across almost all channels. So today I'm talking to Justin and Rob Peterson. They're the executive producers. They own some uh, restaurants and, and drinking establishments in the Tacoma area. And Isaac Olson, who's going to be the director of the movie, editor, He's the guy who's putting all of this footage together. Conversation's amazing. These guys have worked so hard to get to where they're at now. They've got a Kickstarter campaign going on that they're finishing up uh, to get the funding together to be able to put this movie together and get it released and in, in, into some film competitions. So if you're into Washington State, if you're into Rainier Beer, if you're into advertising, or you just like to hear the sounds of my voice, you're going to love this episode. But before we play it, I'd love for you to give us a review on your favorite podcast player. Send the episodes to your friends. Share it. Just say hello. You can email me directly. My email address is podcast at explorewashingtonstate.com. Say hello. Let me know that you're out there listening. I think you're going to love this one. Enjoy. Justin Peterson, producer of uh, Rainier, a beer odyssey, a documentary on Rainier beer commercials. My name's Robbie Peterson. I am also a producer on this project. And I'm Isaac Olson. I uh, edit this thing, direct this thing, uh, had to do a lot of other nonsense to make this thing happen, but I enjoyed every minute of it. All right, guys. So there's a backstory. It's a quick backstory. Um, basically, we have this bar in Tacoma called the 1111, my brother and I, the Peterson brothers. And uh, we had this room that we crammed as much Rainier stuff in as possible, along with a TV that played all the original Rainier, ear bat, uh, Rainier beer ads from 74 to 86. And uh, it was poor quality, but... They're really good commercials, so you could look past that. 
On a small TV, they look okay. Like a small TV like you would have seen back in 74, like appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't like a flat screen. So okay. they, they look okay, but then the only copies you could get have a time code across the front of it. And um, we were sitting there one day, and Isaac Olson said, "We got there's got to be a better quality out there than this. Like, where's the original film? And that basically spawned this project. And he could tell you a little more after that. Well, let me stop. Why did you guys do this Shrine to Rainier beer? Uh, well, they have, a, I mean, just the years and years and years they put out really cool swag. They're, they're a collector's brand. Yeah. Right? Our, our bar is a collector's bar. There's old beer stuff everywhere. Okay. And Rainier, being from the Northwest, is pretty acquirable. You can find it at least one item of Rainier at pretty much every thrift antique store. Okay. Well, so, maybe not now, because we might have got it. You all. might, have, you guys might have bought it. <laughs> so, doing a little reading about you guys in at eleven eleven, there's like a piece of metal that you guys bought when you were little kids. Oh, interesting story. Yeah, we so we're pack rats, and that's probably on our dad's side and our mom's side. So even if we see a cool object that makes no sense at the time, we were like eight years old, yeah, and we bought a metal rail. It looked like it was out of a submarine or something, and it had paint chipped all over it. And, probably lead uh, paint too. Probably lead paint, of course. Yeah. So what did mom and dad say at that time when you you come schlepping a, a metal thing home? Like what the hell well, wrong with first you? First we're at a garage sale and we say, "Mom, um, can we have this?" She's like, why do you want it? And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> and then we uh, put it somewhere. And then 25 years later or something, we were like, oh, man, we need a handrail right here. So we clear coated it and put popped it, it up there. And well, we had to go. Do we even have that still? So your, your mom agreed to you bringing this thing home. Yeah, she 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 was down with us to buy weird shit. So so what? Before we go into the Rainier stuff, what other, as you say, weird shit have you guys picked up over the years? I remember when I was really little, I really wanted a Mack truck uh, hood ornament, and uh, she got that for me. And I don't know if I still have it, but I carry it around for years. <laughs> I would say uh, most people when they walk into our bar, the weirdest thing they see, which is one of the first items that we acquired specifically for Eleven Eleven was a giant Ronald McDonald head. Yeah, that would freak people and, uh, out. Too. Half the people yeah. hate it. Let's actually most people hate it, but uh um it remains. It remains. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We just like junk and uh but we also like cool stuff and Rainier has a bunch of cool cool beer items from pins to um uh sheriff badges to bobbleheads um boxes just anything you could think of is just looks good it's cool do you have like old seattle rainiers baseball stuff that was related to we them? don't actually yeah what are you looking for i might have um, some <laughs> our collection pretty, pretty much, much is anything we specifically don't rainier the beer but the R's are similar, so it well, would it was be cool. By, it was well, you're, you're thinking of the Tacoma Rainiers. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's the Seattle the Rainiers. They were yeah. the Seattle Rainiers True. back in the 50s yeah, and 40s. That's right. Yeah. We're talking. This way might back. be a branch of the collection that's yeah. going to swing over. Yeah, now. that might need a whole another yeah. little corner itself. Because there was a series of baseball cards. Um, yeah, there's a whole 
if you guys don't if you guys haven't explored that i shouldn't have said anything because you know now the uh, will be closed because you'll be out you know, well, well isaac isaac uh often says uh hey, if you guys are uh looking for this um maybe keep an eye out for this old seattle magazine which also has a connection to the rainy beer commercials they're great resources because the seattle magazine that's a that's a whole different thing but quickly all, all the guys that produced the ads met in this thing called seattle magazine in 65 okay 65 66 and it was kind of a left-wing magazine which was not uh, ubiquitous then right in seattle but like uh photographers art directors they all met at this magazine so that's that's where the that's how this, this that's whole the started. roots of all the guys okay. that went on to do the ads so at 11 11 did you guys start off with the, this rainier room or was that no, that was an addition later. We had a room that was just plain walls. Mm-hmm. We could call it uninhabited. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like the last place anybody would want to sit. And sometimes if another table opened up, they would move from that back area to the other table as soon as one opened. Gotcha. Uh, and it had memorabilia up on the walls and there's cool beer mirrors and stuff like that. But it just didn't have a nice feel to it. And uh, Justin was like, what if we just take everything out of here and just put only Rainier stuff in here? And uh, call it the Rainier Room. And then it became uh, was one like, of the popular Was spots. it like an overnight success? Um, pretty quickly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The the TV with the ads playing pretty much sealed the deal on that it. Was, that was the thing? Yeah, because then people would sit back there and be like, oh, I remember this. Or okay. It might be that people just gravitate towards tvs but that's true <laughs> not sure so the room it's popular you you think we got to be better quality what really did it for me was i was making so we've been working together for like five years doing mm-hmm. all kinds of projects uh this one about the band the ventures was a big one mm-hmm. but it just gets to be a lifestyle where you're just working on 10 projects at once and you're doing all kinds of media archiving all the same time and so they'll farm stuff out, just stuff I'll do for free because we're just all working together. So one of the, my duties was like make more copies of these Rainier discs. So okay. I think they were thinking about expanding at that point. Like maybe we'll have another TV somewhere else. Okay. We wanted a backup for sure. Yeah. That was the so first I, was, motivation. I was just making a copy of this crummy disc with the time code on it and stuff. And I hadn't sat down and just watched all the ads in a while. Like I'm from here. I know I'm right. But I hadn't sat down. I just watched, and I thought, "Well, God, how many of these are there?" Well, there's 120 of them. There's a okay. I was going to ask that question. So there's 120. So just one day, I had I had some time to kill, so I just got sucked in. Like I just watched the whole <laughs> loop, which I don't know. It might be about well, 120 uh, divided by 30 seconds. Yeah. So you know, it was about an hour. I just sat there and watched them. Right. And I thought, God, these things are really good. Where, okay, so wait a second. Where did you guys get the 120? Where did you guys get this original? It was a bootleg, and uh, I can't say for sure. I you would can't or you won't? Both, <laughs> because I don't have the answer. I want to say it was from one of the beer guys. Okay. They mostly, yeah, there'd be compilations made, and someone would smuggle it out of the office. Someone okay. would make a copy. So they're they're around. So, so, you, so, so you, okay, so this was a... You guys didn't assemble the no. 120. So you obtained yep. this 120. You've so been tasked to duplicate it. Yeah. Okay. And then you go, oh, there's got to be better. 
Yeah, I just got sucked into watching them, and especially the the Wild Rainier ones, the naturey ones. Uh-huh. I just started thinking, man, I'll bet these things look very cinematic. Okay. Like, and what if there's more? And I thought, and you know, as as you're working on stuff together, as you know, most of it is pitching new ideas. Like, oh, what if we did a project on this? Oh, yeah, so we should do that. Yeah, and you got to do that all the time because one of them could catch and be the next one. You just don't know. Okay. So I just called him and said, you know, we should really think about the Rainier ads. Like, I'll bet the films out there. I'll bet it wouldn't be that hard to find. Okay. I'm assuming it was all shot on 16 millimeter, which, uh, when restored properly, looks really good. Okay. I just thought, you know, we could make a two-hour do- uh, nature documentary. So, what did you guys think <laughs> of this? The, idea? Oh, with the yeah, wild we were, rainier we into it instantly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, as soon as he brought up the idea of like, they always where, say yes. It's where's, great. Where's okay. the film? <laughs> yeah. As soon as he said, where Where do you think that we got? Where's the original film? We're like, why didn't we think of that earlier? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we should. We should look for it. Yeah, so at that, at that time, I made some very feeble attempts just to kind of start stabbing in the dark because I didn't know who made them. I didn't know who was behind them. I didn't know which agency. But the story's not hugely known. People, people know a few things. They know the name Terry Heckler. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that drew the Starbucks Mermaid. That's kind of his claim to fame. He had his ad agency that did all these ads. So people kind of know Terry's name. Okay. And they know Bear Creek Studio which is popular because some famous grunge albums came out of that place. But they recorded all the music, this Bear Creek studio. So that was basically all I knew. So actually, I talked to this woman, Manny Hadlock, who was one of the founders of Bear Creek. Not, I don't know why I thought maybe she would know, but somebody gave me her email. But she was great because she just kind of said, okay, kids, sit down. Here's the, <laughs> here's the, you know, she didn't have to do that either. Because yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, well, thinking about this film, well, what do you know? She said, okay, okay, here's what you got to know. Like, so-and-so did the early ones. And then Terry and Gordon Bowker, he founded Starbucks later. You know that? It's like, oh, you don't know that. She just really schooled me mm-hmm. and gave me all – she basically gave me the whole story, like, in an email paragraph. Okay. But before I could even follow up on any of her great leads, I found the film. So it was – I wanted the story to be more like difficult. So lie to me. Tell me a story like the film had they probably, a journey over a mountain. We, we, searched, near, I we mean, searched and searched and okay. nobody knew. And it was still kind of by accident, nowhere. though. It like, was it was it, definitely by accident. He found it while not searching for it, basically. Okay. Yes, that's the, exactly. the one time he wasn't searching for it was when he found it. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm. I'm not telling any vibs here. It was like <laughs> maybe two weeks after I'd been emailing with uh, with Manny. Right. I found it about. That it, fast. it was like two weeks. Yeah. But it was not in connect. He didn't find it in connection with any of the people involved in Rainier. It was, yeah. World. To- total stab it was in the dark. Completely separate. And place. Uh, if that had not happened, there'd be no project. We we would not be sitting here today. There, there's so no we, one, there's no back way that I could have like breadcrumbed my way back to this source. That's there's what no I was gonna way. say. He okay. could have called everybody involved in making the Rainier commercials at, at any level of their involvement, this is a and he would have never found the film. All right. But then by dumb luck, you get the, <laughs> yeah, that, it's, that, it sounds so it sounds so cheesy. You got to give Ed his due here because uh, this origin is. A little further back. There's this guy. His okay. name's Ed Nolan. 
He's in special collections at the museum, the Washington State Historical Society, which is hard to say fast. And their acronym's not much better, WSHS. Okay. But that's where the stuff was, and Ed Nolan was the guy. He found, I mean, he's the one that saved the stuff. So he, you, you know Ed outside of the Rainier Project. I, I met him and found the film. All this happened in two weeks. I, ca- I cold called him uh, through a recommendation of Art Chantry, the famous graphic designer who's from here, too. Okay. We were talking about something, and he just said, you know, you should really call my buddy Ed at the museum. He's a great guy, and he might have some of this rock and roll stuff you're looking for. We were in ventures mode at that time. Okay. Well, we're, st- we're still in ventures mode, but we were, still were in it back then. But he said, you, sh- you should call Ed. He's a good guy. So I just called him and I said, hey, my name's Isaac and I'm doing these movies and I wonder if you guys have a film department, if you have any film in your archives in there. And he said, well, we don't have a department. We have a lot of film. Well, why don't you come over? I'll show you around. So I went over and he showed me what he had, which was like a lot of news film. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, that looks really interesting. And he said, well, if you want to volunteer let's uh let's make you a volunteer and i say i'd love to do that so we went through all the steps i got the background check and got all hooked up there's a state organization so i got all uh set up to be a volunteer and so i was seeing ed every once in a while but only a couple weeks and we would talk and he would ask about other projects i was doing i mentioned rainier and he said oh rainier yes we have posters we even have our own wild rainier we even have some tapes and I said, tapes, really? He's like, Did you try yeah. to stay calm? <laughs> well, I still didn't know. Okay. I thought maybe just more of these uh, subpar okay. videotape versions or, like, right. like we've been dealing with. But I kind of took him up on him. It's like, so yeah, what do you have? How many tapes are we talking? He said, well, maybe I should just show you. And he took me up to the vault and showed me a shelf with hundreds of film cans on it. And I said, well, this isn't tapes. And he's like, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, <laughs> he's a funny guy. You, you found the holy grail of this quest. What you call these guys? Do they believe you? I think I just w- went out to the car afterwards. My my two hours of volunteer time was up, so I went out and called Justin. I said, "Okay, found it." Rainiers <laughs> ago, I think uh, like we're gonna have to think about this. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I was blown away, for sure. I, I believed him instantly because the way you, you told you, me. You did believe him. Okay. But I was just like, what? How did that happen like that? Yeah. That's insane. And I said, and it has to be everything because it's these ancient cans. And yeah, there were there's 87 cans and 130 boxes. Okay. And I was seeing things like motorcycle, beer crop. I mean, all the little uh, hints were right there on the boxes. And so the next step was to get these guys uh, as certified volunteers at WSHS, which we did. Okay. And once we got through that process, then we could all go up and observe. And then they knew for sure. Take note. I mean, we took notes. We kind of well, we logged what was there and maybe what we would want if we could get some. And this, and this is before. So the, the agreement with the museum took a year to finesse. Because oh, okay. since it's government run, it had to go all the way to the assistant attorney general. And it was this... I mean, yeah, it's a big deal to, like, get these agreements done. But, I mean, it's to their credit that they thought this experimental uh, deal with us 
was something worthwhile to do. So it took a year to hammer out an agreement to allow you to do what? The agreement was for us to be able to take the film off site to log and scan. And that was crucial because they didn't have a film department per se okay. there, which, you know, they didn't have rewinds, just a, a way to safely, cause you can't be just spooling film out. It's, it's, <laughs> well, uh, you can, it's like, you can, but <laughs> I mean, this, this was a little mess. beyond that. And also these cans, it's not like one can equals one reel. Each can had dozens of little rolls, little right. cores. I in saw it. some of the photos and it was like, yeah, so it's okay. just not a straightforward thing at all. So they allowed you to take the film off offsite. Took the film offsite, got it all insured, set up a film How does department. Sure, that was also difficult too. But um... Rainier, 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 Rainier. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. I'm just, what I'm going, you know, nobody's cared about these things for 40 years. I mean, yeah. you know, no one even knew they existed. Exactly. Really. Nobody, nobody yeah. cared. And Except now, for Ed. And then, yeah. you, Ed, and then you, they just set the value. All right. So we get through all of that. Yeah, we get all that done. In the meantime, what I could do was I could go to the museum and I could log stuff, basically just open up each can and mm -hmm. count how many things were inside. Okay. How long so, did it take you guys to, to completely log this inventory? Uh, well, on, on site, that only took a few days. Okay. Then I came home and crunched the numbers because, you know, you can measure a core you a can core. a core, a core it's uh it's like, not a reel it's just like a little uh plastic doodad that film is wound around okay you can then put that on a thing called a split reel at which kind of transforms it into a reel that you can use but oh. you're dealing in cores but what, so what you have to do is measure each uh diameter you know subtract the circumference of the core and you can plug the number in and find out uh, how much running time one roll is. So I had to do that for thousands and thousands of rolls and just get, get to a point where I could tell the museum, this is how much footage we're talking about. Cause it's all in feet. And then this is my estimate running time just to try and quantify the stuff somehow. So there was math involved. Yeah, there was a and lot of math was involved. important also because when you go to transfer stuff like this, you pay by, the second or foot? The foot. The foot. By the foot. Yeah. Okay. So if you can imagine what a foot of film looks like and then rolled into a roll, mm -hmm. you get quite a bit of feet in there. So you've cataloged it. It's still at the museum. Yeah. You know, that was very rough. But, and, and, but, every, and all the parties knew that, you know, that was just kind of. But you get everything lined up so you can take it off site. Yeah. So we quantified it so we knew, okay. you know, what, what the, the collection, in quotes, was so you, comprised of. you had an of. estimate at that point. Yeah. And then ultimately you guys had an actual, you knew how many feet you had ultimately, right? Right. So how close was your estimate? Well, I've never, I've never even like tried to compare the two because okay. that first list was so spitball-y. The, okay. the, main, the main thing was 
Luckily, nothing was loose in that there were 87 cans, there were 130 boxes. That that never changed. Okay. And you know, and nothing nothing could be uh, simplified because that's that's the archival rule is okay. even if it didn't make sense how they were cataloging stuff back then, you can't you change know, it. Change it. Okay. I mean, the museum could if they decided, but not you, not me. No, okay. no way. So once we got it back here, which was in uh, was election day, twenty twenty. Okay. That's yeah. when we that's sure. when we got it out. And it was between bouts of COVID shutdowns. Uh-huh. So that was a miracle. That right. got done. We kinda had to act fast because I believe they went back into another lockdown the next week and we would have been okay. out of luck for taking it off site for another six months, maybe. But you guys didn't scan the film here. So part of the insurance and the agreement was that you were allowed to send it to a third party to do to do that work. That's right. And okay. I believe they approved that third party also who okay. we were starting to communicate with. So yeah, anyway, November 2020, the stuff came back here where we are and I got it all on the shelves and I spent two months where all I did was I got up at eight in the morning and came down and went through stuff and went home at 7 p.m. or whatever. And it was the most delightful experience I've ever had. It was, you know, that's, that's, that's the reason I do these projects, you know, not even like the premiere, any of that stuff, just that two months, just two months, just, you know, just being all by myself and like finding out every day that, oh, we do have a movie. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah. This, this, oh yeah. So you guys, what were you doing for the, about the movie during this period of time? Um, just getting excited about Isaac's reports for the most part. I <laughs> yeah. mean, we came down and saw the film and, and yeah. saw what he was doing and, and all that. I take a phone picture and yeah. I say, yeah, we found the such and such. And they yeah. go, whoa. So yeah, he'd send a little picture of, uh, of the film segment. Um, so we could see like, oh, that's cool. And there were really we only were... Uh, maybe two or three things that I was disappointed that we didn't find in there. Okay. But then I found out later the reason why. So actually we had everything. Okay. We were basically waiting for Isaac to uh, compile like a few bo- few key boxes of the most important or what we thought was the most important of the time of the reels so that we could drive them down to L.A. real quick. Yeah. So the next step was once I got everything cataloged and I had a big list that could be searched and so every, everything was known, then it was easy to prioritize like well, what's going to be in our first batch has to be just the cream of the crop. Like all the Mickey Rooney stuff went in batch one, obviously. Why? Why? Why, why was that the determination? Why not just send it all? And that's money? Uh, money. money. Yeah. That's, that's an easy question. If <laughs> when, we, when you if, don't have a big budget, you basically do what you can okay. to create hype. Cause, mm. And then we could take these like... Uh, so we get a batch done and then we could show the people that were involved what we're doing and then they get to see what it looks like before and after. And then it's a lot easier to get people coming your way. If you gotcha. So okay. pri- prioritizing that. a really nice first batch was important for the movie because it's stuff that we know is going in no matter what. Right. Um, it's the best stuff to show investors and you know, just kind of as a hype tool, mm-hmm. like we'll check this out and there's more, but wait, there's more. Yeah. But the other <laughs> thing about that, see if you, if we just indiscriminately sent the whole collection to be scanned, it'd be like $5 million. 
Or we would also be paying for for footage that we weren't planning on using. Okay. So uh, well, and, and something else to remember is there's so much redundancy in this mm. because these aren't just finished ads. The, these are working working copies. Uh, yeah, th- I mean the editors were the people that put this in the cans, mm-hmm. and it's totally like working documents. So there's uh, there's work print. Mm-hmm. So you get so much redundancy if you just did the whole thing approximately how much footage was there in minutes we know it boils down to you know an hour's worth of i think my my best estimate is probably 60 hours of stuff 60 hours of stuff to boil it down to an hour of what you guys originally started with was that hour-long disc yeah okay yeah all right no so that yeah that generally would be the the ratio the ratio okay yeah and then uh but there's more. There's yeah, always yeah, more. Say, yeah. This is the whole thing. Is the, I, we found stuff in there that I mean, I thought we were going to find you know elements of the classic 120 ads and mm-hmm. some outtakes. Hopefully, a lot of outtakes. But we found stuff in there we had no right to expect to find. Oh, like, making of yeah, like that was uh, insane. Like somebody trailed the production for one whole year, 1982. Okay, and just got hours and hours of behind the scenes b-roll of the ads being made oh now of course you want that but who who, you could, who could expect that was in there right right you know these these were uh internal things uh, or or things they would show their investors or uh sales films that's another big one okay these are special films they would just make for fun to show the salespeople, <laughs> and they were the only ones that ever saw it so like every year they'd on top of all their production work they'd just make a really cool little sales film so yeah, just for the salesman the same ad company so the same humor and everything but just for in-house yeah so it's just another cool thing so that no one's seen before another secret clue another yeah. another piece of uh, continuity so that first batch that you pulled together and you sent away how long before it came back oh very fast but uh rob can take the story up at this point because we we didn't want to to ship the first batch we just thought it'd be much safer. And the guy we worked with is this guy, Reed Bovey. He works at a place or founded a place called Reflex Technologies. Okay. And he's in Burbank. Okay. So we said, Rob, want to go to Burbank? So when I said dropped it off real quick in L.A., I meant the time it takes for, to get from Tacoma, Washington to L.A., driving with the least amount of stops. Also, again, we're working in the middle of covid right and uh i'm like i don't know what's gonna be shut down or if i can go in anywhere um on the way so i just was like i'm just gonna drive straight there and straight back i'll stop i'll check out a couple hotels on the way and that's all i'm gonna be doing and uh once i got to the front door of the um why am i forgetting the reflex reflex technologies um I pretty much was like, here's the film. See you later. Hop back in my car and immediately start driving back. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, they gave me a, a water. Did they give you a receipt at least or something? I mean, <laughs> nope. They were already ready for me. They knew I was knew showing up. Okay. Um, we had called ahead of time, gave them our time frame. Yep. And I, I, I rolled I was, a card into their front door. I was orchestrating everything back here from, from the, you were the puppet master. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. I love doing that stuff. So you, you dropped the film off. 
grabbed a water and drive jumped back. back in the car <laughs> drove another five hours uh put on your adult like diaper a, and hit the road yeah. <laughs> it was like a 12 hour drive like day spaceman. <laughs> all right and then you know another 12 hours so that night. that original batch of film so you dropped off at burbank how did you get back here uh it was shipped they back. shipped it back so you guys you were okay with them once you got the cleaned up copy you were okay with ship shipping it <laughs> it's well yeah it's a it's a it's a safety measure you right, know? right and uh they gave us uh they sent us the newly copied uh it's very yeah, safety yeah. conscious because i mean he's a pro and mm-hmm. he knows how these projects work but how, how it would work is the stuff would be down there in their highly insured uh film chamber that they have on site and so he'd make all the dig- digitized copies and then he'd sit he'd fedex overnight hard drives then i'd crack open the hard drives and Actually, that was probably the part that was like beyond Christmas, like even more so than like finding out what we had to work with for the very first time. Seeing the stuff like come off the press was just really amazing. So did he clean the footage up? He did very minimal color correction to kind of bring it to a middle point so that we can do all our regular post-production color stuff. But no, that's that that was. uh, So he just digitized the film into a into a into a format that you can work with. Exactly. To create this. But yeah, just a a little color, little color correction is really all that's needed. The stuff has held up amazingly well. It was shot great Mm -hmm. and it just looks great. Basically, once we got the hard drive confirmed, everything was there backed it up ourselves <laughs> then we called back down there and we we're like okay good to ship yeah okay. so it was, we, it was always have, this process yeah, yeah I, I would get the hard drives i would check the stuff out we'd get another set of hard drives and make an off-site backup here once all that was done and it was in two locations here i would say okay send the film then he would fedex the f- film overnight it would arrive here We'd get it safely back on the shelf, and only then would I give him the, the next pur- batch. The, the purge order to get rid of his files. Okay, because batch one was probably let's see, uh, dozens of terabytes. I can't remember how many, but the, the these files that you get back are huge. Okay, they're so they're well, so. Hard drives are cheap now, at least. You know this this project yeah. thirty years ago. Oh, no, it yeah, been, no, been, no, no, yeah. Well, the files they were generating wouldn't have been that great either. Yeah, so, so I mean, we're getting pretty much the best of the best right now. Yeah. So how many how many times did you guys have to? How many? There were uh, four batches all together. Okay. And the fourth one was pretty small. Okay. The first three were quite uh, hefty. Hefty. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. And, and then that, was... that's. I mean, we could get into that later, but um, the reason why we're getting the public and it, it, the the public involved is to restore the rest of it. Okay. So, um, so we have, so at this point you have the original films back here in Tacoma. Yep. That are going to go back to the library. Yes. As of today, they're back at the library. They are not, they are safe. But then you also have digitized copies of the film. Yep. That's all the work that's been done. Yep. Okay. You got it backed up in a couple of places. Okay. We've done more work though. Besides that. Well, at that point, though. Oh yeah. At oh, that yeah. point, right? All you, uh, at that point, all you've done is modernize the format of the film, that's and stabilized it so that you can now manipulate it and begin to make your movie and give the film back to the the, the museum, so you're no longer the stewards of this of this stuff. Okay. Yeah. Precisely. Now what? Well, see, that sounds like a lot of work. 
But it if, does. Uh, in a normal documentary, you would just go shopping and you would just buy all this stuff. But see, when you're working with subjects that are un, uh, untapped mm-hmm. like this, that uh, require a little more tender, loving care, you know, that's a whole that's a whole year and a half Mm -hmm. just to get to the point where now we can put all the stuff and make a movie like you regularly. So regularly do a year and a half. You mean it took a, it's what the timeline here was a year and a half from finding the film to digitizing the film. Correct. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Maybe a little, maybe maybe a little more like two years. Yeah. Still ongoing. Still. Okay. (laughs) Never going to (laughs) end. No, never. We're greedy. You know, all right. We want it all. So now I know nothing about filmmaking. So, so besides the archival footage, we're including, uh, interviews with the people who are responsible for the genius behind the commercials. Are they still alive? Yes. Yes. With a few exceptions, they are all still among us, and they're all, with only a few exceptions, still local. I and think the, how... the farthest anybody lives is uh, Whidbey Island, I think. Oh, okay. Well, we did We did have one guy come in from L.A. Yeah, yeah. He was one exception. The, the original There will be more exceptions. There will be a few more. For but... the most part, we lucked out, uh, being that the Northwest is still the home to many of these people. And how's the response been when you've reached out to them and saying, "Hey, we want to do a documentary on the work that you've that you you created." I've never had a better experience uh, just getting at people out of the blue and mm-hmm. having a positive response. Everyone on this project has just been a dream to work with, okay. and they're like our friends now, so it's like even better. Well, it's because you guys have a bar for them to go to. And you're to call <laughs> well, there's that. There's some perks. perks we do offer our, our bar services upon <laughs> yeah. all interviews. And you all, but you also got to remember that uh, these people are unique because it's not like we're getting at a bunch of artists and asking to use their personal work in something, which is always a little presumptuous. This is a little different because their life's work, or a lot of it, was made for companies. Mm-hmm. And so it is their work, but essentially they kind of signed it all away. Right. They gave they gave everything to, in this case, Rainier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And all these other clients. So it's just a slightly different uh, feeling that people have when they hear that their work is going to be showcased because in most cases they were so anonymous. Some of them sought the anonymity. But it's it's just a whole different uh, approach. Yeah, these are the people behind the camera. I mean, the people that, like, put this all together. Like, no one probably knew anything about it over the years except for a few articles here and there. But, uh, yeah. So we're, we're kind of showing, like, this is these are the people that, like, made this culture. I mean, yeah, it's like they kind of created an ad campaign that also became northwest culture absolutely so (laughs) So. how many interviews have you guys had so far Uh, maybe 12 12 or 13 and any anything you're willing to share that was interesting out of any of those oh sure well uh no everyone is like their own field of study almost and uh my, my favorite this was another uh great find besides the finding the film and that whole origin story this guy, Frank Denman, 
he started also as a staff photographer at Seattle Magazine, where he met all the other guys. Okay. So he he shot photographs for just about all the print print ads Rainier did that would kind of accompany the commercials. Every campaign would have right. an ad and some stills and some other stuff. Posters. Yeah. So, yeah. so to me, he's this like legendary photographer guy who, you know, had 30, 40 years of just amazing commercial work in the area. But when I got a hold of him and said, gee, I'd love to see if you have any old negatives, this was a pretty much untapped resource too. He kind of <laughs> got out of the photography thing maybe 20, 30 years ago, boxed all his stuff up, and nobody knows about it. So, they will. They so, will. Now. Okay, they're saying, okay. <laughs> yeah. So he, he was... But he's just he's approachable just, to the idea of so approachable, super he's nice guy, super like, great guy, just he, very welcoming and like, you know, right. accepting of the project we want to do. And kind yeah, of like, but once again, see, uh, I, I think I started by showing him some of the scans. Right. And it didn't hurt that I was showing him images of him and Mickey Rooney from 1974 on set together that he hadn't ever seen. That probably had that, a role. That had a little. <laughs> so that, yeah. that is show, a, and, show and tell is always really good when you want, uh, when, it, you know, you're trying to interview someone. You're like, hey, I, we've done some legwork already. So it's not like we're just coming at you with nothing. Yeah. Uh, it it, so. it kind of diffuses the, uh, the flakiness sure. anxiety, which I don't blame anybody because often this is a very flaky business. Like, I got a great idea. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure you do. Yeah. So you can, you can, I, I overcompensate, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I know what they're thinking and I know I have to show them, no, we're, I'm serious. Right. I'll bet you haven't seen this in a while. And oh. usually they go, okay, well, I see what you mean. <laughs> so how has this been received when you guys are out there talking to potential investors and just people of the area? What's the, is there a, default response when you guys say you want to do a movie there is a default response barely with very few words you immediately hear oh yeah rainier beer and you have to wait for him to go through the whole thing (laughs) and then you're like yes that is part of what i'm talking about and then uh, you can begin your conversation after that. So you've you learned the pause. Yeah, learned, you, you've learned that there's like a minute here. I'm gonna have to wait. Yeah. But uh, everybody's been really excited about it. So, uh, and then they'll tell us stories, or maybe give us a lead to something else. Like, oh, my dad was the distributor of that uh, back in this time, or you know, you just get all these stories, which are really cool too, because everybody's been touched uh, by it the Rainier uh, beer in some way. They have like an object that was a Rainier beer, like bobblehead or they, they still uh, have one of the old posters yeah, right. or they found an old beer can that's up on their shelf forever. Or they have pictures of them when they were kids next to their dad's Rainier beer or uh, their third generation, former employee of the Rainier brewery. Yeah. <laughs> There, it's every, like everyone has some connection and and so when we start telling them about this project uh yeah everybody gets really excited we've had great response i've often been like no i don't want to bother you for very long i just wanted to tell you about this project for one second here's a postcard it'll tell you about it a little bit and then they're like no no 
tell me about it. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me grab my beer and I'll come back over here and tell you about it a little yeah. bit. It's real grassroots stuff. Well, it's, well, here's a question. The ad agency that created these ads, do you guys know how they kind of came up with the initial concept here? Because these were very different than what ads were like in that period of time. Difference, uh, a good word. They wanted to be different. Like the beer ads prior to them were boring and they were, they, they call it, uh, what they call it, Isaac? They call it reward spots where it's like, I got done working in my yard. Now I'm going to sit down and my wife's going to bring me this beer because I had to deserve it. Okay. Uh, so they, they were like, that's boring. And then, or it's like, uh, this, this beer has the best grains and hops. And you're like, cool, but is it fun? <laughs> yeah. They'd kind of sell you beer. Like they'd sell a car. Like they tell you all the great components that went into this beer. And yeah, it has airbags and ABS yes, brakes. Exactly. <laughs> I want to know if it comes in red. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I want to, are the people having fun when they drive this car? Yeah. So, but that to give Rainier credit then, they were willing to take a risk and not do this traditional advertising. Uh, actually, they deserve, I, they deserve yeah. a lot of credit for a, like, usually you'd pitch a, or in my brain, you'd pitch a commercial to a company and they'd be like, no way we were ever going to consider that idea. Try again. And we've also heard a lot that um, internally people continued to want to go back to the old way mm -hmm. but they couldn't uh argue with the sales increases and so they just kind of kept their mouth shut <laughs> so they i mean they couldn't it was good for business so they couldn't really argue about well, can it can you can you guys now you guys have done a lot more research on the topic of beer in the 70s and 80s can you think of ads from other beer companies in the 70s and 80s that you remember <sighs> it's kind of hard to say now because everything's so present from watching um, commercials, but I don't recall. I mean, personally, I liked the hams cartoon bear. Yeah, yeah, the, ham, okay. the hams bear. I can't remember what. I think at, at this very moment, jingles were a big thing. Everybody yeah. had their song. I think uh, Budweiser at that time had this thing called "When You Say Bud." Mm -hmm. It was kind of this uh, umpa song, and um, I would say uh, my most memorable is actually spuds mckenzie but the point is you know nobody no nobody else was doing things i'm mean, granted rainier was right here local but it it did transcend outside of this well this little they, start, they the started cool these ads in 74 though mm -hmm. like i was gonna say the cool commercials that i remember were after rainier had Right, completely changed well, the dynamic of you, how commercials you were, were too young to be looking at beer commercials in the seventies. Yeah, we weren't born yet. Yeah, we yeah. weren't even here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's true. So, come on. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, but we do look this, back uh, now, and, and we any, know any of this yeah. stuff we're talking about, like we're seasoned experts. It's all acquired. It's we don't. Well, but the, the point though is that if you look back, like Olympia beer was a big beer around here, right? And it it has, I mean, it's the water that it's, was their, it's the water. It's their tagline. But I can't think of a of an Olympia beer ad to save my life. I can't think of a, of a Coors ad when I just remember when Coors finally was available in Washington state, that was a big deal. It was like, we got electricity or something. It's like, Oh my God, we can get Coors. Yeah. People did tap the did Rockies. Tap the yeah. Rockies. Yeah. yeah that's but true. Rainier's, I was, so before I, I left today, well, yesterday I was talking to my mom who's, she's 86 years old. 
I don't know if my mother's ever had a beer in her life. Probably not. And I said, I'm going to go talk to these guys about the rain. And she goes, you mean like rain? I mean, she did. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, my thing. God. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, mom, that's it. And she's like, okay. And so, yeah. you know, my, my mother remembers those. And they, they she was not their audience. Yeah. So there's just, there's just, and I, I know this from working on other documentary subjects, but there's something really powerful about reminding somebody, somebody of something they thought they forgot. Mm-hmm. But this is the scary power of advertising. And it's another reason it's like you should be careful, like what you allow in because this <laughs> stuff, this stuff never leaves. It's it's just baked in there. But this movie is completely safe to be watched by all ages. Oh, sure. Oh, there sure. We go. <laughs> well, I don't know. It might be a little disturbing at times. but <laughs> We make it we make a very thorough study of. Uh, so this is about. This movie has very lofty aspirations. Okay. It's uh, it's not only about uh, this region and the Rainier thing. It's about beer advertising. Okay. And just advertising. Okay. That's that's what it's about. How it works, uh, the the tricks people have tried over the years, the things that have worked. Okay. Things so we, that haven't worked. Things that haven't on. worked. Yeah. yeah, we we spend a lot of time with that. So the basic premise is, I mean, walk me through kind of like a high level overview of what the movie's going to be like because it's not going to be just commercials because that'd be a really short movie. I mean, well, well, it'd still be a very long movie. Um, we plan Isaac could go into this a little further but we we plan on using as much of the commercial content as possible. And when I say that I'm not saying we're going to show each commercial from beginning to end, but having that visual mm-hmm. when you're working with stuff, it's like a there'll be a remnant from like Isaac says Every commercial in okay. some way. Yeah. Every single commercial you remember. There's nothing that I'll just leave out. And it's it's like Justin says, it doesn't have to be that there's a scene about every commercial. Some commercials have their own scene. Sure. But some are just, uh, you know, set dressing mm-hmm. or a punctuation or an image. But and they're they're all going to be represented. And you're going to have the interviews from people that were... Yes, we've we've interviewed people. That's Mm -hmm. a component of it. But we've interviewed some actors too. But um, yeah, we've gone. Most of our stuff is uh, uh, editors, directors, cinematographers. Other than Rooney, was there any actors or actresses that were in these commercials that went on to any that we might know from something else? Well, one of our first actors was a guy named Mac McDonald, and uh, he actually was in Apocalypse Now and American Graffiti before. He did the Rainier commercials. His, okay. his commercial involves "They're Out There, Willis." Do you remember that one? He looks through binoculars vaguely. They're, yeah, they're really cool. He's on an outdoor living set, yeah. driving through basically a. a he's he's, in a, he's in a motorized uh, vehicle that looks like a living room in the desert, and he pulls on a lampshade, <laughs> and that's the clutch. And they're, vaguely, and they're I vaguely remember and they're chasing wild rainiers. So, um, but no, Rooney is the big, I mean, I, I would love to build this as like Mickey Rooney's last movie. We'd have, (laughs) we'd have to work with the estate in some capacity, but I mean, I'd love to see see like a marquee at some point just says (laughs) Mickey Rooney in Rainier beer odyssey. (laughs) But that the key to this is I wanted to call it a beer odyssey for a reason, because that that's, that's what we're getting at here. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's a story, epic tale, you're going to learn a lot. But it is an odyssey. You're just going to, I like to think of documentaries as climates sometimes. Okay. It's like you're just going to spend some time in the Rainier uh, bowl swirling around. 
orbiting. Does that, does that sound like a good experience? You might want to cut that out. Yeah, that that would sound that. Believe uh, me. Work on that one. Work on that pitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Immer- immersive. There immersive, you go. Yeah, yeah. Immersive. Yeah. Immersive. Yeah. Not, for, yeah. not the swirling, swirling. in the wall. <laughs> it could, you it's like you're going to be in a, in a swirling, swirling glass beer. of beer. It might not. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're sitting here today. And you guys are doing a fun a fundraiser Kickstarter. Once that is successful, then what? Then we we think about festivals and we think about distribution. Okay, but the, along with this fundraiser, it, it allows us to move faster. Mm-hmm. So you could go right into stuff that you were kind of waiting to pay for. So the rest of the film. Uh, better sound quality color correction um the ability to to travel and get more interviews Mm -hmm. um so when you when you have the budget there things move a lot quicker so that's one reason the second reason is this is an advertising thing it's like get people involved with the project uh with a project of that they they like. like we want the fans to be involved yeah, and even if it's exactly. a small donation or their name in the movie, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever we can do to get them involved and excited about the project, even though we're possibly a year out, get them excited now and then get them excited again later. And it's kind of like ultimate bragging rights, like because uh, one of our uh, levels of funding is you know for thirty bucks, you get your name in the movie and updates mm-hmm. and so a like, cool rainier patch. Yeah, a cool rainier patch. So like at the, at, you know, a small donation, you could still be a part of it and then also be able to tell your friends like, yeah, you hear about that movie? I helped that out. All right. So, so that's at 30 bucks. Yeah. What's the top end? Uh, executive producer. So that's a. That sounds like work. That is. You put somebody to work? Kind of work. <laughs> we, we, we give them the ability to like see what we're doing as we do it. Okay. So uh, they're kind of they're they're in on the project a little more than someone that spent less and what level what dollar amount is that at that's 10 grand 10 grand yep. so from 30 bucks to 10 grand yeah so there's okay. stuff all in between there right yeah and you so guys, there's some interesting swag that goes along with some yeah shirts sweatshirts hats uh snowboards signed um, signed original print run posters yeah Arch- how'd you, okay how'd you new guys, design posters how'd you guys yeah. obtain that that's all within this that- this realm of of just meeting people and and then you know just being in their world they're like hey I have these posters and you're like well the the original you want to donate? the original posters <laughs> original run came from Frank the photographer he just had an old unopened pack that he got still from in back the plastic then. yeah so new we had stock. to we had to cut that open which I almost didn't want to do oh my god to yeah. get some of the ones out of there that then he so he was sign. willing to donate a small stack off that right for the campaign and then he even signed like fifty of them mint so that's that was cool. very like, nice I don't even know if you can buy a mint condition Rainier poster off eBay like they are crisp. Wow. Not a single yeah, fold. So, so that, that's a really cool one that we like. And, and Frank signing him is cool for us, too, because we, uh, we're big fans of his now. And uh, then Art Chantry, our uh, beloved uh, Northwest um, graphic designer, uh, designed us a poster. And there's a lot of work put into that, and it's really cool. Um, what else? Zeke, 
He's a uh, him and his brother are really big Rainier collectors, and Zeke built us these custom metal R's that are really cool um, and large and large. Yes. So it? yeah, we we kind of just spent by... spent a long time gathering stuff that was cool. Right. So like, not only do you donate to a cool project, but you do get something. Okay. So it's kind of like a transactional thing. It's like right. We tell you about the movie, you donate, you get some stuff, and then we could also make a movie. Right. Quicker. Exactly. Yeah. Every good project has a hurdle that you 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 miss the hurdle, you fall on your face type thing. So what's gone wrong? I've never had a project go so good. Yeah. It See, is, now I shouldn't have asked that question because yeah. yeah. you, you, know, you heard it here. We haven't hit our hurdle yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe, we're, maybe, we're it'll, maybe it'll be down the line. Uh, so really, everything's just kind of come together in a good way. Yep. And everybody's been so supportive. I think we mentioned that before, but I mean, it's like if you tell someone about this, they're excited and they want to help. I mean, it's just the just how it works it's just a win-win i think every, everyone at every step of the way mm -hmm. has said yes that is a good idea <laughs> yeah. yeah i'll chime in yes it's a yeah. good idea it's, it's a really cool but, idea but all the people that mattered you know yeah. okay the museum uh <laughs> the, you, the, the people we interviewed might have came out wrong well you know the, 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 people, that, the people that could destroy the project the people that could say no uh, oh my god <laughs> Yes, you want to hear that from everyone, but uh, yeah, as but, far as the property going smoothly. All the people that could have said no mm -hmm. and really messed us up said yes. That's awesome. Yeah. And the fact that the footage was here in Tacoma, that's just... Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, that's... The whole thing is like this movie god thing mm -hmm. where it's like they smile on it or they don't. Okay. And if they do, you you got to go with it. You just kind of have to say, okay, we got to go for this. Okay. And the fact that it was in Tacoma, that also is kind of... Uh, there's some good mojo with that right because we're tacoma guys and yep. we get to stick it to seattle a little bit just because you know all right we, so, tacoma preserved it yeah yeah that's true <laughs> again tacoma saves so again <laughs> so questions i always ask during these conversations and so i'll ask you guys and for, for you too it might be well it might be hard for you too but play along best place to get coffee in tacoma well I did get coffee right before I came here, Where? so I might as well mention that. Uh, Bluebeard. Okay, what do you get when you go to Bluebeard? I got something I've never gotten before, oh. and it was a, uh, what was it? It was a Mexican spiced, it was a spicy mocha. The chocolate. With that, the Mexican that makes, chocolate. Oh, okay. I've never, ever gotten that before, and it was really good. Okay. Um, so we're also fans of Manifesto, which is our neighbor mm -hmm. in a hilltop where our bar is okay and uh those guys are all really cool so what's yeah. your normal go for you what's your normal go-to coffee what do you normally get it's got to be decaf what <laughs> what the caffeine will mess me up real good i i i <laughs> indulge in the caffeine but i get uh, should i say this it's a spiced chai latte with one shot <laughs> or just black I, okay. I like black coffee. I like the taste of coffee, but then if I'm going to indulge, I'll get a spice chai latte. Okay. I support my neighbors down at the studio here where I spend most of my time. Most of your time. And it's called Lift Bridge. Okay. And it's across the street here on Pacific mm -hmm. uh, in the old post office building. Okay. And it's a really cool, convenient so place. I'm always going to the post office. It's right next door. And, and they got great uh, big open areas where you can hang out and... 
Yeah. I like What's that. your go-to coffee? Just black. All right. As it should be. Yeah. By the way. I would say uh, traditionally I just drink black coffee. But yeah. decaf. Yeah. Uh, but black decaf, t- whatever is around. But if <laughs> you someone, said decaf, man, if you're, someone, you just can't. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. You know, it's just if someone <laughs> says that they have decaf and regular, I'll just get decaf. If there's no option, I'll just drink regular and suffer the consequences later. Wow. Maybe I won't sleep very well. I need. I need yeah. a little of that edge to yeah. stay ambitious. I, I'd have to say I'm not super loyal. Um, I go to a, a lot of different whatever coffee places near me when I feel like having a coffee. Sure. So Olympia, I even go to Starbucks, maybe get an impossible breakfast sandwich, um, Valhalla, Bluebeard. Who am I leaving out? A well, few. there's a there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot. There's Tacoma a lot. Tacoma has good coffee, actually. Tacoma there's, does have yeah. good coffee. So there's one that just opened up too that uh, I want to support, and that's uh, Dallin Commerce, I think. We're going to pause while he gets his phone. No, I'm just kidding. So while he's looking, I always ask this question. Great place to grab lunch in Tacoma. What do you guys recommend? Well, do, I mean, I feel like obligated to say 11-11. Okay. And what, okay, what's your go-to at your own place? What's your go-to? The Brutus Ad Peppercini. It's like an Italian-style sandwich yep. with a Caesar dressing, fresh yep. tomatoes, toasted French. So why why doesn't the Brutus come with pepperoncinis? If that's the way you're, if that's the way you're ordering it. It doesn't even say... Add pepperoncinis on the menu. Why? It's insane because when someone orders it with pepperoncini, then you're like, this guy knows. Or this, so it's this, kind of a secret thing knows. then? Is it kind of is like the cool kids know this one? Is that is it is that it? Only in my head though, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What, what do you for lunch? Ooh. You can say your own place. It's okay. Well, we're always <laughs> at our own place. So what's your go-to at your own place? All right. So the turkey bacon pesto on sourdough. Um, it's one of our best sellers also. And then it has tomatoes on it. Okay. Uh, that's probably one I could continue to eat almost every day, but try not to. Okay. I'm always grabbing on the go. So I like to go to this place called Mimos. Okay. It's on division. Yeah. Just amazing, huge, uh, burritos. Yes. Yeah. All right. I was thinking where, of where the do you method to, coffee shop earlier. The method coffee shop. I'm going to okay. go there after this. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Nice. I, I haven't been there yet, but I hear it's good. Okay. Where do you go to coffee, though, in Tacoma? We're making this about you now. Flipping the tape. No, I know. I'm trying to think. Last time, I, where did I have? I think the last time I had coffee in Tacoma was at um, either Valhalla. Yeah, I think it was Valhalla. Is where right. I went yeah, last. they're good. Um, um, so our, our, if, cut, our I might have met somebody at Cutter's Point, okay, which is like saying I drank decaf. Sorry, Cutter's Point. <laughs> if, if we go to Wenatchee, which we're planning on going for promo, what coffee do we get there? Starbucks. Okay, <laughs> that's and, right. Yeah, we drink Starbucks. No, too. the reason and the reason I say that is there there is a local coffee roaster in Wenatchee, and I just I don't care for their coffee. I like a darker roasted coffee. Okay, so I like if you like. A lighter roast than Mela Coffee in Wenatchee is really good. They're really nice people. It's a great company. Don't get me wrong. I just got those Starbucks in Wenatchee Ave has the Clover machine, so you can get all the crazy, cool, limited edition Starbucks coffees and pay way too much. You know, like a $9 coffee. All right. Just because well, everyone should have a $9 coffee in Wenatchee. Yeah. That might be a, to be on our list. Yeah. But so this question is going to take a little while to answer because there's three of you. So who wants to go first? It's the same question. You're going to go first. 
So you guys get to cheat and think about it. I'd like you to take this seriously, please. Okay. Cake or pie and why? Hmm. I'm not a sweets guy, but I'll 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 do some uh I'll do some cake with like uh very little increments on the top of it. Okay. Fair enough. Almost dry. Almost dry. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we got a bunch of sweets guys here. No. We're we're salts guys. I, uh, Salt. Okay. All right. I always like key lime pie for some reason. With, and a, with a nice cup of decaf. Perfect. <laughs> um, well, there's something about pie in the movie industry. It's like everyone's always going out to a diner to get a slice of pie. Mm. But you just don't do that anywhere. They're just... I feel like I've never come across the time where I go to get a slice of pie. Pie and coffee. Yeah. Um, but I want to one day. Okay. And? Um, well, if my grandma was still alive right now, I would say apple pie. Okay. Because she made literally, I, I think about it, I could taste it. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm also not a sweets guy, but I do like just standard chocolate cake. Okay. Not a lot of toppings or anything. Just a nice fluffy okay. inside chocolate cake. Oh, my favorite coffee cake. Does that count oh. as cake? Yeah. 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 Coffee cake. To Can't bring back coffee. the coffee. Okay. Yep. All right. Man, love coffee cake. Since you guys own a, a venue that has live music, in your opinion, where's the best place to see live music in Tacoma? Yeah, there's. Uh, it's kind of based on show now. Because there's so many uh, places that you can see stuff now. Um, Which is good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the space, the sound, mm-hmm. the size of the band, the mm-hmm. draw, it's going to change everything. I know. But where's where's the, like, there's got to be a place. Where do you guys like to go see music at? The Valley. Okay. <laughs> because uh, you can get a Brutus with pepperoncini. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Of course, of course, I really like seeing shows at my own place because it's small and it's intimate and our sound's good. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as venues go, like Alma in Tacoma has one of the coolest looking inside venues. So I'll give them that. Uh, Plaid Pig is like the new punk rock kind of all black walls bar that has uh, cool shows and it seems a little underground. Okay. Uh, Jazz Bones has re- great sound. Um and airport does small oh, shows yeah, too. Yeah. Airport airport's kind of an anomaly because their their venue area is really small. Yes, it is. But they uh, <laughs> they get really good shows there too. So right. um, yeah, Tacoma has a lot to offer in the the music venue scene, and and I think something that's different from from twenty years ago is that, like everybody is kind of friendly. No one's against each other. Like they're not competing. It's kind of like you get good music, we get good music. Right. Um, so the scenes more approachable in that aspect who do you guys like to see who's 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 interesting to see these days that's playing in tacoma oh man uh tacos um wild powers gold sweats gold sweats helms lee um one of our another one of our friends band uh, the fucking eagles uh, if i can say that you can okay it's okay um hilltop rats yeah, a really fun. fun punk rack punk rock band to see okay uh girl trouble you don't want to miss them they actually have a show coming up um Isaac. our dad's band of course um the twang junkies twang junkies and ball bag definitely oh ball oh. bag yep okay. can't forget ball bag but there uh, i mean there we, there we really is on. a uh 
uh, Tharsis Rise. I mean, there's like in every genre, there's really good music right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, Coma really has. How do I want to say this? Because Tacoma seems very self deprecating to me. Yeah. But it has a really, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening here. And I yeah. used to, I couldn't wait to leave here when I was, when I grew up in high school, I couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> and then I had to come back and I didn't want to come back. Yeah. There's a vortex here though. And, but, and, you know, I lived by stadium when I came back and I liked living in the North End. And we've left, we've gone to Wenatchee and every now and then I find myself going, oh, maybe we go back to, you know, no, I can't go back. <laughs> it kind of One thing in, that's yeah. funny that I just thought of was, uh, as far as bands and this whole connection with the Rainier thing, um, so we were on Evening Magazine recently, mm -hmm. and uh, the Rainier Room at 11-11 was featured, and that was really fun to be able to bring that and the story of the project together. But then I got a call a couple weeks later, um, the up-and-coming, or not up-and-coming, but um, continually rising in popularity uh, band Enumclaw uh, was asked to be on Evening Magazine as well, and they were um, told to pick a couple locations around town to go while they're getting interviewed and filmed and one of them was 11 11 nice and then they were filmed in the rainier room uh by uh saint brian and uh that'll be airing soon or maybe has already aired i'm gonna find out today okay but, i did uh, just buy their new album that brings the music Actually. in the rainier room. how is the new album together. i have not i just got it in the mail okay. yesterday yeah okay. new vinyl i always like buying local vinyl okay so um, give me a couple other local vinyls uh, you know, Helms Lee, uh, Wild Powers. Um, and what genre are these guys? Cause I, I, you know, uh, well, like, uh, Enumclaw is kind of in the, like, they call themselves the best band since Oasis. So they have kind of a Seattle grunge thing going mm -hmm. for them. Uh, but they're in that, they're like in that time period when Oasis was coming out. Right. But, uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, what was the third kind of stoner vinyl. stoner metal okay and some of the stuff i've been listening to a lot okay kind of um on that realm or i'll go like in the outlaw country stuff okay there's other stuff i like right now yeah how about you what do you listen to not a rainier commercials 24 7 do that's you? all i've been listening to <laughs> lately <laughs> that is he's got the rainier waltz in the background <laughs> of i like the rain i like the les baxter arrangement of the rainier waltz okay <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> we, we're allowed to use that in the movie, too. Cause. Yeah, so that's something I didn't bring up. Is how was Did you have to get permission from the owners of Rainier to use the branding? Yes, and we did. And once that again, was early on. And were yeah. they, well, since we're talking, I guess I know the answer, but how was it to work with them to get the thumbs up? We aren't really working with them necessarily. We're completely independent. Okay. So uh, the first official thing we did was just say, hey, this is what we're doing, and we need to make sure that that's cool. Mm -hmm. And they said, that sounds cool. So, so it's that easy. I mean, it's that easy because they know we're putting money into making a giant I mean, it's kind of an ad campaign. It is an ad campaign. It's yeah. a commercial. But well, for, us, it, for us, it's a documentary. But for them... What's better than people hyping Rainier around Well, and that, town that again? we had a really frank discussion. I just said, uh, I'm not going to try and make just a big ad for Rainier, but it will function that way. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to worry about that. Okay. It's, it's not like a, a hit piece or something. Right. Yeah, like it's, it's a, a it's a celebration sure. of it's, uh, 
you know, okay. how, how this stuff works, how it functions. And basically you're going to have just this great looking cool. Rainier thing. All right. I'm putting you all three on the spot. This is my last on the spot uh, question. What, what time is really quick. On? What's your favorite commercial, the Rainier commercials? Favorite Rainier commercial at this time. Yeah, Something yeah, should change yeah. at any point. I, I like it, anyone where they're yelling. The, the get it yourself, Bob's really good. Um, <laughs> Mickey Rooney is, yells pretty much in all of the stuff. So I like that. And then you can't go wrong with uh, a beer bottle with legs. Okay. Yeah, I always, th that's the stuff that hooked me at first. Just the very subtle, not even a punchline. It's, okay. it's just a, a nature documentary about these creatures. All right. I change my mind every time I've been asked this question. Uh, but <laughs> like too. right now, like as of right in this moment, my favorite is uh, um, the Bruise Brothers because it looks exactly like the Blues Brothers. The, the production was uh, such quality that you're like, oh, is that yeah. them? And then the, all the other SNL ones. And uh, I got to go with Arbo. Yeah, Arbo's really good. The Randy Rambo. Yeah. Is, uh, I just love seeing that every time. So it, was, it was also filmed on 35 millimeter. So the clarity in some of these uh, later commercials and parodies they did were, is so clean. It looks like it was filmed today. What's so funny is that I hadn't thought about half of these ones you guys just said. And then I'm like having these little like flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. What didn't I ask you that I should have asked you? What didn't What didn't I bring up? I guess I guess we could kind of just say like if you do want to support this project, you could go to um, www.rainierbeermovie.com. And now I'll have a link to our Kickstarter, mm -hmm. which you could go straight to, which is Rainier Beer Movie on Kickstarter. Um, or check out our social media, which is at Rainier Beer Movie. We want to keep it really simple, so it's everything's Rainier Beer Movie. And I'll put links to it in the show notes, so yeah. you can just click on it. So that's that. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you. I learned a lot about this, and I now have even more questions. But for the sake of our sanity, I won't ask them. Um, but thanks for making the time to meet with me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Audrey, look over there. Where? Oh, oh, a whole herd of Rainier beers. Not herds, Audrey. Rainiers come in six packs. Oh, Wake up, Harley. Harley, Harley, look at the Rainiers. Oh, they're just so fresh and friendly. <laughs>